0: Welcome to Howard David Live. Welcome to Otis Livingston, the sports anchor of Channel 2 in New York. If I said that of all the teams that are in New York, and they're all playing now in the postseason, with the exception, obviously, of the Mets and Dodgers and, and like that, but the hockey teams are all in, the basketball teams are all in, if the Knicks win a championship, that would be more impactful than any of the other teams. True or False.
1: Oh, man, that's a good one. Uh, I know the city's love of the Rangers, too. I mean, I know they have one in the last 30 years, I guess. But um, I think it would be neck and neck between those two. But I I believe the the Knicks, yeah, probably so, because of just how long it's been. Um, You know, the passing of Willis Reed, which harkened back to those championship teams as well um i just believe that uh that would be impactful for the city especially you know the mecca the 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 basketball heritage here and just the starving for that you know going through so many eras of of just being turned away with the the hakeem on the jordan they couldn't get past michael jordan you know and and then the lean years that they've been under for so long you know that would be incredible for them to, to get back into win a championship
0: Otis, I, I I don't usually go, uh, hey, remember when, that playing that. But you mentioned one of my all-time favorites, Willis Reed. Yeah. Uh, when I was broadcasting the Nets, Willis took over for one year as the coach. And I never enjoyed being around one man more than being around Willis, to the point of where I sat down with him one day and we did an interview. And I said, what do you remember about May 8th, 1970? He said, I remember being in the locker room, and they were attending to my my hip, and I got a phone call in the locker room, and I said, people can call you in the locker room? He goes, well, my daughter called <laughs> me in the locker room to wish me well,
1: mm. and
0: oh, by the way, it was her birthday.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, he had to play. <laughs>
0: so He knew that he was going to drag his leg out there and... When you saw him coming through the tunnel and then out onto the court, people talk about the Lakers' reaction, particularly Chamberlain and West. They turned around and looked and watched every move Willis made. And every move he made was measured. He took a couple of shots. He made them both. They turned away and, and went on their business. But the thing that's sad about it is that everybody remembers that day as the day that Willis came back.
1: Clyde Frazier had a monster game that yeah. night. Possibly the greatest game in NBA Finals history. Uh, he was incredible. And yeah, it gets overshadowed a little bit. Um, in fact, a lot, it gets it gets overshadowed a lot. You know, like you said, the, the first uh, recollection is Willis and the role that he played emotionally. But Clyde got it done on the court. Um, you know, and, and the good thing about him, he may bring it up every once in a while, but he always gives credit willis reed and what he meant to that team you know and uh just the leader that he was um he he'll he'll take his kudos and his, he'll get his flowers for you know having that monster game he'll he'll definitely add that but he also just is so it just and that just you know illustrates the love that they had for one another and for their captain you know everyone that i spoke to when i was trying to uh get some interviews for that um somber occasion when he passed they had nothing but good things to say about Willis Reed. And, and man, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of people that can actually have that about themselves because there's always somebody that has an ax to grind or somewhere you you cut them off or, you know, in, in traffic or something that may have been mistaken, you know, but to have someone that that a lot of, you know, that no one had anything bad to say about, that's that's pretty incredible feat. And that's just a testament to Willis Reed, the man.
0: I, I mentioned when he was coaching, uh, the Nets are going out on a West Coast trip, and they hadn't won a West Coast trip in like eight years. Yeah. Uh, best they've ever done on a five-game West Coast trip is win a game or two. Right. But they never took three. And so uh, during the week, I walked into Willis's office. I said, would it be okay if my wife came on the trip? Um, he said, yeah, sure. He says, clear with Bob Cassiola, the president, it's okay with me. So I did, and everything was okay, and she came on the trip. We go to Seattle, and as you know about Seattle, they have that Pikes Market. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about the fish being thrown around. Yep. They also have an arts and crafts market in that building. Okay. So so my wife and I were walking through there, and we saw what were a pair of hands in prayer made from the, ma- the ashes of Mount St. Helens. Wow, yeah. Yeah, they were small. They were about six inches high. Okay. And so I said to my wife, you know what? Let's buy a few of these and give them as Christmas gifts. It'd be kind of interesting. So she said, sure. So before the game in Seattle, and they hadn't beaten Seattle in nine years in Seattle, before we got on the bus, my wife took one of those pair of hands and gave them to Willis as good luck. So he put it in his jacket pocket. Let's uh-huh. go out and beat Seattle that night. This is when they <laughs> had Xavier McDaniel and that whole crowd. Peyton. Oh, yeah. So he gets on the bus. He looks at my wife. He goes, thanks for the good luck charm. I don't think we would have beaten these guys without this. (laughs) They went out and won four out of five
1: games on the trip. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That was much better than uh, giving them fish. Yeah, Yeah, we couldn't figure
0: out how to wrap that up. Uh, let's, Let's let's talk about the Knicks. Yeah. Um, Right. The Knicks uh, win game one against Cleveland uh, in Cleveland, but then the Cavs came back and kind of took the Knicks to the cleaners in game two. A couple of things about that game. Donovan Mitchell did not have a big game. He had 17 points, but Darius Garland lit it up big time. Harris Levert, former net. He played big as well. Uh, Jalen Brunson, Did not have a big game. Uh, Julius Randle got shaken up a little bit. Remember, he got knocked down underneath the basket. Yeah. Um, People criticized Thibodeau for not taking him out of the game. His response was uh, Julius wanted to stay in the game. And I I yielded to him. And I'm
1: thinking to myself, the game's a blowout. Yeah. Why why not take the guy out? Right. 21 points with uh, about two minutes left. That was the margin. Uh sometimes you have to save people from themselves, you know, because that would have been catastrophic. And in the end, Thibodeau is going to be the one who gets the criticism. Of course, players want to play, but you have to make the right decision. Hey, Jules, come on and sit down. Let's get ready for game three. You know, let's just let's just rest up. Hey, watch the rest of this game and whatever. You know, but uh that that's a situation, and I said it on on the air, like I question like why is he still in the game at that point in time? I don't even think. Even if he got through it healthy and no, nothing happened, no near injury. Um, I just didn't like that decision. You know, I felt like uh, he should have just pulled him, you know, and and uh, and uh, they, they get ready for for Friday because they did what they wanted to do. They got there. They got a one game, you know, the one game. It was the first game they showed, you know, uh, th- their capabilities. Um, and then you go back and you have two games at home and just get ready for that and load up. You know, you can, you you can actually, you know, win those two games at home because this is a, an even series to me. Um, I don't, I don't find one to have a huge advantage over the other. Um, I think if the players come to play, it's a, it's a, it's a good game, you know, um, even though they did get blown out in that game. Um, but I, I just feel like uh, if a lot of those other role players can step up, Brunson's not going to have the game that he had that night. Um, Julius has definitely come around, you know, since coming back from his injury, he's played well, but you got to get RJ Barrett going. You got to get some of these other guys going quickly has to have his, his usual input as well as uh, Quentin Grimes. Um, so I feel like they have their opportunity to uh, take these next two games, but, That would have been catastrophic had he gone down.
0: Let me say this about uh, as we look at game three and game four at Madison Square Garden. uh, Everybody says it's a tough place to play and so on. But the fact is the Knicks had a better record on the road this year than they did at home. How can you account for that with the great support they get at the Garden? I'm shocked that there were only like three games over 500 at home.
1: Well, I mean, a lot of times you're going to get the other team's best shot when they come into the Garden, too, because they love to put on a show. Once they come in, it might be their only visit that year. So you're going to get that. Yeah. You're supposed to hold home court, but it's, it's like those other guys said, you know, those other guys get paid too, you know, so they come into the garden. They don't want to lose. They want to beat you. They want to play in front of the New York crowd and, and they know it's going to be uh, one of the top stories on ES uh, on sports center or whatever, you know, so they want to put on a good show too. So uh, just ineffective. I mean, it could be, it could be the youth on the team as well. You know, some of those guys that are, that are playing in key spots, they, they haven't learned how to win. Um, and then when you're on the road, I think you just galvanize. You're it's us against the world. You play tighter. You play, and I what I mean by tight is not like wound up, but tight as far as the knit of the team. You know, the uh, we play for each other. It's us against them. I I used to love playing on the road, man. When I when I was uh, competing, it just I don't know. It just seemed like a yeah, anybody to me, anybody can win at home. It's it's the toughness of your team. It's the true character of your team when you can win in a hostile environment, um, playing focused basketball, playing team basketball uh, with one common goal in mind. And that's to get the win. So they have to in the future as they go forward, because they are building something. They have to become a better team at home um, and, and then uh, hopefully, you know, try to win the majority on the road.
0: I think it's fair to say, and we're talking with Otis Livingston of Channel Two in New York. I think it's fair to say that uh, Jalen Brunson has been the best free agent acquisition the Knicks have made in my memory. I can't think of anybody that even comes to that level,
1: particularly the kind of season he's had. Yeah, you know, and 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 as we talked about at the beginning of this year, before the season really started, we I think we did a preview talking about. It. I I was I'm surprised. I really am that he has, and it's not to say. That he doesn't have the ability, I just felt like um, that he was a complementary player to a Luca type thing. And Although we saw when Luca was out during the playoffs, or or at some junctures last season, that he did step up. I didn't know if that was sustainable. He certainly changed my mind, and he did it quickly. You know, he he was uh, definitely one of those worthy All Star snubs this year. I thought he. Could have been an all-star, uh, joining uh, Julius Randall, um, but I, he definitely changed my mind. He's a leader. He can get his own buckets. Of course, he can create for other people, and he's just crafty. You know what I mean? He's got he's got some incredible footwork for a smaller player. Yeah, he's six three, so that that's they like to say it's a big guard, but it's a small player. But he has some some really good footwork where he goes up under yep. reverse pivot, you know, things like that. And yep. he's a lefty as well. So that automatically starts it off where you don't know how to come at this guy because you don't face as many left-handed players as you do right-handed players. That's, that's pretty much the norm, right-handed players. So um, he is, like I said, he's, he's definitely. And 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 the thing that I like most about it too, is that Julius Randle was quick to kind of give over the reins and to welcome this guy, you know, whereas Julius was the franchise player. If you look down a roster, I mean, he was the guy that made it go two years ago. He's the most improved player. He's all-NBA type of a player a couple seasons ago. He could have bucked. He could have been, you know, no, I'm not ready to give up the mantle yet. Yeah, we've seen that before where there's a power struggle. He was quick to give that up. He still takes some questionable shots at time. But I think that the addition of Brunson and how effective he is it's it filters down it it makes his game better it makes him not as uh I gotta go get it for the team and playing out of control at times which has been a big criticism of him in the past but now they have a true point guard who can also get buckets in Jalen Brunson so uh yeah he like I said he he really changed my mind about him let me uh, ask you about his pal from Villanova Josh, yeah. Hart. Yeah. Uh,
0: Josh Hart. yeah, uh, Josh Hart, you know, a lot of people didn't know a lot about him when he came to New York, Not but at all. he is fit in very nicely. Uh, and the Knicks are going to make a decision at the end of the year about extending him. Yeah. That leads me to the question that If they extend
1: him. Do they move RJ Barrett? I think there's still value in RJ Barrett. You know, if they want to do something like that, he's just too inconsistent, man. You know, I mean, He's still young. What is he, 22, 23? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's still that upside. And, and you know how it is, man. A lot of these organizations, once we get him, he's gonna change. We'll be able to fix him. We'll be, you know, he'll flourish here. And and sometimes that does happen, but. Um, like I said he's just too inconsistent the three ball just doesn't fall all the time or or at, at a great clip um getting to the rack he's he can be stopped cut off uh defensively I don't I don't see him as a great defensive player but like I said at 22 23. there's still upside to him and they could do that now Josh Hart is a very interesting uh player because I would typify him as before coming to the Knicks I would say he was a solid pro just solid. Mm-hmm. He wasn't spectacular. He wasn't bad. You know, he was just solid. He, but in this organization, on this team, on this roster, his talents are exacerbated. He gets to lose balls. He's a great Rebounding guard, he can hit a shot. You know, he can play basket, and he's unselfish. He's a he's a galvanizing force. He's a good guy in the in the in the locker room, uh being the the really good friend, national, co-national champion with Jalen Brunson doesn't hurt as well. You yeah. know, so you come in there and you automatically get respect from everybody else too. And he's just a pro. You know, so I think that his role there. Uh, has has been more illuminated because of the other players and the things that he does to complement those players. Uh, don't forget he had some big scoring games when he first got there, but he just makes plays, you know, and they, they're going to need that the rest of the way, whether they get past Cleveland uh, to move on or uh, going forward uh, next year. So uh, it'll be an interesting decision. But like I said, uh, I think R.J. Barrett has some, some upside as far as the, the other teams are concerned. Um it's unfortunate you know that it was uh, Zion, Ja, and then RJ. And and yep. to be honest coming out of high school uh there were a lot of predictions that he was going to be the number one pick overall after his one and done year. So he didn't he didn't miss by much but uh, I think uh we're starting to see a lot of those warts, you know, that are that are in his game.
0: Yeah. Uh Otis uh game 2 was a very physical game primarily from Cleveland's point of view, they played very physical basketball. Yes. Thibodeau, uh, looking at that film, he's not a lot of things going to let him go by. He's going to look at that and go, guys, we have got to play physical. And I, I think it's going
1: to be a rough game. Well, that's his particularly, calling. card, Particularly feeding into the garden ground. <laughs> and that's been his calling card, right? Tough defense. That's what his teams are typified. So these guys have to step it up, you know. They have to uh off and also on the offensive end, you gotta play through contact, get three-point play opportunities, uh hold on to the basketball. Don't give, you know, get uh turnovers if they're gonna let you play physical. Uh you know, as you're going to the basket, you have to be tough. So yeah, they got to step it up a notch. You know, they have to hit shots as well um to loosen it up. Um, but the physicality, I think, I think. Uh, Cleveland, because as you know, in the playoffs, it's a game of adjustment. It's a series of adjustments. So Cleveland probably saw after game one that they weren't physical enough. So they turned it up a notch. So now it's their turn to up the ante when they come back to MSG and see how they can uh, flip the tables in their favor. Let
0: me talk to you about a couple of other things going on. Um, I've been a Ranger fan as long as I can remember. So I've always been rooting for the Rangers. I mean, back in the days of the old garden, my friends and I used to get on the subway and for 50 cents, we'd sit way up in the rafters, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the uh, rangers have been part of my life for a long time. Let me deal with, uh, the baseball teams in the city, uh, particularly what happened yesterday with Max Scherzer. I, I did, I'm, I'm still not quite understanding of the fact that they said he had some sticky stuff on his glove. He claims it was rosin and sweat. Uh, now they, they they ejected him out of the game, but there's a possibility he could face a ten game suspension.
1: Yeah, I mean he he said, and and, and listening to his post game comments, he said that there was someone from MLB there as he was applying or doing the rosin and sweat all that whatever it is because which is okay by major league baseball right you know, because they don't want people out there if they if you lose if you use some uh uh like the rosin part of it and they don't want you to just not have a grip and now all of a sudden the ball gets away somebody gets hit in the head things like that that's what the nature of this whole thing is is control now on the on the pitcher's part if they're allowed to use the sticky stuff it can help them do things with the ball. But as far as Major League Baseball is concerned, it's more of just having some kind of control. Not a whole lot that's going to alter the, you know, the, the the path of the ball, the spin rate and all that kind of stuff. So he said someone was there watching him as he did it. He said that, why would he go out? Because don't forget, the third inning was the inning where he had to take off the glove. Right. Because they they thought there was some there. He said, what? why would it I would be crazy out of my mind to go back out there and do it again in the very next half inning. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting back going, that makes sense to me, you know, because, you know, uh, you knew you were going to get checked. You knew Dave Roberts was looking a little bit closer, you know uh, you know, everybody's got eyes on you now to see what indeed you do have uh, and how is it affecting. He was dealing too. He was pitching really well. So um, I feel like, uh, I believe him. Obviously, uh, we don't have a polygraph or uh, you know uh, uh, a lie detector test going right now, but if, judging from his the way he went off during the ejection uh, and the explanation, it's just rosin. It's rosin, you know that kind of thing. And then his post game comments, uh, and, and and you know he said, "I swear on my two kids." Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going that far. I would never do that if I know I'm lying, man. I just—I don't know. That's just me.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I did a double take when he said that as well. I, I, got, I, yeah. I said, you, you don't need to go there. Yeah, I, he didn't need to do that. <laughs> you no, know, you know, and it's like Dylan Brooks of the Memphis Grizzlies. He called LeBron James old last night. Uh, let me explain something to you, young man. He's going to come at you. Yes. On what is it, Saturday? Or I think, I think they play Saturday. Uh,
1: uh, what was it? I think it's Saturday.
0: Saturday. I, Saturday. I mean, yeah. LeBron James is going to put at least as old as he is. He's going to put that many points on the board.
1: I certainly hope <laughs> so because you know I'm a Laker fan. So I'm looking forward. I think the key to that though is Anthony Davis better put up his age. Yes. yes. Thirteen points.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. He 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 was invisible.
1: Listen when AD comes to play and he puts his imprint on on a game he is one of the best in the business but I've seen way too many of these games or way too many of uh of the games where down the stretch he just has these brain uh I don't want to say the fart, but I'll say it. Brain farts. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He has those where he makes critical mistakes late, you know, like uh, fouling a three-point shooter, not rotating, missing a free throw, things like that to let let teams back in it. So Anthony Davis, he's got to be – He's got to be much better. Dennis Schroeder has to be better as well because when those guys are going, man, yep. it just makes it a little bit easier for LeBron. You know, that you, you can't really key on him. And last night, AD just did not look good. Um, Dylan Brooks is going to talk his talk. He's going to talk. You know, it doesn't matter. And I think during the game, LeBron said, you're a bum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. But, hey, that, that is what gets Dylan Brooks going. You know what I mean? And he's willing to put it out there because I've seen him not successful doing that type of thing more than I have seen him just – because, I mean, he wasn't shooting the ball well last night, but he hit a big three in a key moment, like a yep. dagger type thing. So that gives him the right to kind of pound his chest. Well, the rest of the game he didn't play well. But, okay, that 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 gets him going and that that gives him his edge.
0: Yeah, you know, he did – I'm watching him do that and, and getting in LeBron's face and I'm thinking, this is a poor man's Lance Stevenson.
1: Yes. What's he exactly. do
0: now? Blowing his ear?
1: Exactly. <laughs> Born ready was crazy, man. <laughs> yep.
0: Hey, let me get your opinion on, on, on Draymond Green.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Draymond Green was suspended. Uh, I, I thought that was very, very curious. The head of operations of the NBA is Joe Dumars, who was part of the bad boy Pistons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now, he suspends Draymond Green for a game. A lot of people... Uh, were critical of the suspension, saying the ejection was enough. You yeah. look at that film over and over again, and you consider the track record and the rap sheet that Draymond has put together, and you can understand why he's been suspended. I said to Steve Kerr a couple of years ago before a game, and I know Steve for a long time. I said, one day that guy's going to cost you a game that's important. Now, I'm not counting last night's game as the one,
1: but th- I personally, I would trade him. That's just me. Okay. Two, two or three things on that. Uh, Joe Dumars, uh, of course, bad boy Pistons, Michigan uh, uh, area, you know, Detroit. Right. Um, Draymond Green has called him a father figure. Huh. As you know, cause, cause Draymond is from Michigan. So okay. they know each other for years. So for him to hand down that punishment. Yeah, it was, it, that's what he saw. Now, Part of the uh, not only was it the track record, not only was it the way it looked, but it was the interaction with the crowd. Yes. Before you left the court. That was that was huge, too. So there were so many layers to this whole thing. You know, had Draymond tried to pull away from the hole because let's face it, Sabonis was wrong with that. Grabbing his his ankle and holding on like Jeff Van Gundy. But um uh, had he tried to pull away and maybe fell, then it would have been on Sabonis. It was the whole the lifting the leg and and coming down. I, I personally, I didn't think he stepped like like really stomped him, but the way it looked and all those other factors played into the suspension. Now, you talked about him costing them uh, so in a big spot. That's already happened. NBA finals. He got ejected. They're up 3-1 against the Cavaliers. He got ejected for hitting LeBron in the, you know what, and Cleveland comes back with that historic comeback to win that title, which is mm-hmm. minute LeBron's, you know, Cleveland, this is for you. His legacy, because he came back to Cleveland, which hadn't won a title in so many years. I think it was like 55 years before that. Um, so he has cost them. He, and, and that's on the biggest stage, not just the, the first round of the playoffs, we're talking the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if they had won that one? Now, don't get me wrong. After they they ended up uh, getting Kevin Durant because they lost after they lost that series to the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers, um, so they got Kevin Durant, which added two more. But think about if that had just if, if they had won that one and added Durant, that would have been incredible. That that dynasty, which is already huge, would have been even better. And knocked off LeBron, I think, two times that they faced him in the finals, two or three times. So um, he's already cost him. Uh, a lot of people already believe that this is his last year in, in a Golden State anyway. Um, so they may do whatever they have to do in the offseason. And maybe they are tired of his antics, you know, or 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 just getting in, things happening to him. <laughs> yeah, my, my, the whole thing falls under the umbrella of uh, it. look at me,
0: look at me, look at me. You know, uh, you know, you know. He, then, then, from, then you're saying uh, this game is about Draymond, not about the team. Uh, I got the same feeling about uh, about uh, any other player that's like that. I, I, I want to see a guy play with the team, not in spite of the team.
2: Look, yeah. Uh,
0: the, the uh, it's a conversation that's gone on for like the last two days. I'm a little tired of it, but I wanted to get your opinion. Uh, one more thing before I let you go. Rick Petino comes into St. John's. I know Rick from my days in Boston when he was a coach of the Celtics and I was doing the games with Cedric Maxwell. Uh, Rick is a damn good basketball coach. There is no yep. two ways about it. Yep. But I think he's a better college basketball coach than he showed in the pros. Yeah. Uh, he's got he's already got three guys transferred to St. John's that he's already got. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, he's won a championship with Kentucky. He's won a championship at Louisville. Uh he knows how to win. Yeah. Uh he believes in the three point shot. He also believes in an up-tempo type of game. I think St. John's is going to recapture the imagination of the college basketball fan in New York.
1: I I certainly think so, too. I mean, uh, not not only is he a a good coach, but he's also a really good recruiter. I knew that was going to happen. And now with the NIL money and things of that nature that are around for because if if you're listening to. Uh, The transfer portal and all that stuff. It's really about the NIL. Who's got the best package for me? They're probably going to get that player. The better players are going to go there so that they can earn some money before they either go pro after or get on with their lives. They want to have some money to start. So I knew from Jump once he was hired that that situation would be turned around. Now, whether these guys go out on the court and actually make it happen, we're going to see about that. But we know he's a good coach. We know he's a good recruiter. We know there's kids out there looking for that NIL money. So it was a perfect marriage. And he said in his opening press conference that, yeah, you know, a lot of these guys aren't going to be here. He, he, he said it right mm-hmm. off the bat that the, mm-hmm. the roster was going to be very, very different. So you knew that, you know, what, 1,500 guys are, or 2,000 guys are in a transfer portal. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, that's amazing. So, yeah, I, I imagine that. And, and, and I asked him, too, what, what what would he look at keeping the really good New York area guys around? And he said, yeah, he would do that. But Rick Pitino is looking for the best players, period.
0: Yeah, well, Just
1: from New York.
0: Look, I, owe him. I don't have to
1: represent New York like that. Yeah, but he, he's going to bring a winner there. You know, I, 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 I wholeheartedly believe it. Yeah, well,
0: uh, I, I owe him a lot because when I first came to Boston, he took me to a place called Lugas in the North End. Best Italian restaurant I've ever eaten anywhere. So you anywhere. go to Boston, you go to Lugas. You remember the words of Rick Pitino? Larry Burr is not walking
1: through that door. That's right. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door. That's right. I guess Posh Alexander's not walking through that door. He transferred. <laughs> uh, always great talking to
0: you, my friend. You stay safe, as always, buddy. Thanks so much. Take care. He is Otis Livingston the Channel Two in New York. Does a great job with with that job, and it's uh, and he's, his his predecessors have been something. I mean, my, uh, my old friend Len Berman the Channel Four. Uh, He was so creative. Otis is the same way. It's nice to to be around that kind of talent. Uh, One final word about Dylan Brooks of Memphis. Look, what Memphis did last night was incredible. But it's more about the Lakers, what they didn't do. The Lakers lost that game. Memphis was handed that game. But to their credit, they took what the Lakers gave them and they beat them. So now they go to L.A. even at a game apiece. Will L.A. beat him twice? I don't know. John Morant could very well be back for game three. That makes Memphis tougher. But I have to believe with the professionalism of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that the Laker team will play a thousand percent better than they did what I saw last night. I, I was, I'm was i looking at a game, and I'm like, this, this, this is terrible. This is sloppy. I mean, how do you come into a game playing like this? Please, and right from the beginning. But... You know, it is what it is. Play of the night, Aaron Judge jumping over the wall to steal Otani from a home run. Caught the ball in the glove, came out, he caught it with his bare hand. Keep this in mind, and I'll dream a little bit for Yankee fans. Otani's a free agent when the season's over. Do the Yankees dare make a run at this great athlete? Not just a good pitcher. And he can also hit it. I'm just wondering if they make a run at a phenomenal performer. I'm Howard David, you stay safe. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. Hi everybody, welcome to Howard David Live. Welcome in Steve Popper of the New York Post. For my money, America's greatest sports section, would you agree?
2: Wait, you got to start over
0: again. You got the wrong paper. I oh God! Yeah, the, you're with Newsday.
2: <laughs> <laughs> now, but you, you better say that's the best sports section.
0: <laughs> the the New, New York Newsday, yes, it is. It's very good. Yeah. Okay, my screw up. I apologize. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. In three, we're starting over. In three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Howard David Live. Welcome to Steve Popper of New York Newsday, who covers the New York Knicks. A lot of people don't believe me, Steve, and I don't have an allegiance to the Knicks per se, but I think that's one of the teams that is scary uh, because not a lot of people expect great things out of the East with Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, but I think the Knicks are a team that you better be prepared to play for because they can come at you from a lot of different ways.
2: Well, I think that's the biggest difference this year from the team that was a postseason team two years ago is back then it was you stop Julius Randle, you stop the Knicks, and Atlanta did easily in that playoff series. Now it's Julius, it's Jalen Brunson, and what they haven't had in this series, but they've had all year and they really need to get going, is some of the other guys RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, Quinn Grimes. They do have a lot of weapons, and, and I think. Uh, that's what has made them a better team this year. And, and, and to your point about the dangerous team, if they're healthy, they're deep, and they play hard every night. That's, that's what get, got them to the number five seed. That's what got the win in game one over a very good Cleveland team. Uh, Cleveland matched that intensity and probably surpassed it in game two. But I think that's what we see going forward here is, is if, if Cleveland doesn't match their intensity, they're in trouble and, and I think we've seen also, look, in the playoffs, you got to be healthy. Giannis down, John Morant down. Th- these guys are getting hurt. Guys, teams are losing guys. Tyler Hero, you know, you've got it's a little survive in advance here.
0: Uh, Steve, I'll, I'll just add one more, uh, recent, more recent addition, and that's Josh Hart, uh, who played with Jalen Brunson at Villanova. Uh, I'm going to take, take issue with R.J. Barrett. He's been getting criticized. Uh, that he's not lived up to what people expected of him. I don't know what the problem is. Maybe he's had a hard time adapting to Jalen Brunson. I'm not sure. How do you read it?
2: Well, I think he even talked about that late in the year that it's been an adjustment for him. as he had the ball in his hands a lot last year? He suddenly became third option. Uh, minutes changed as you know. Quentin Grimes became the primary defender on on the perimeter for this team. Josh Hart is probably the second best defender on the perimeter. Uh, so he had minutes cut, he had uh, opportunities with the ball in his hand, look, he still averaged almost 20 points a game, Uh, so I think, you know, he's going to give you something, Um, but he hasn't, he hasn't progressed this year the way you would like to, you saw a guy the first couple of years that you thought could become, you know, an all-defensive team kind of guy, and now he's not not one of the better defensive players on his own team, Uh, you saw a guy who, showed that he can get to the rim, uh, you know, with power for a wing. Uh, but, but he hasn't been consistent with his outside shot, which, you know, lets teams team play off of him. And I think that's been the problem. Uh, he's 22 years old. We keep saying that, that he's 22 and, and, you know, it takes time, but the, this year was definitely a step backward for him and coming right after talk of trading him in the summer, then signing the contract. Um, it's a strange year. Um, uh, I think, you know, I I, I won't be surprised if he is moved in the summertime, uh, if they can package him with some other pieces and get that real elite wing they'd like to get. Uh, But, you know, if not, you know, I think next year is a real proven year for him.
0: So now the series is tied at a game of peace. Uh, After winning the first game, uh, the Knicks got to handle pretty well in game two. So now they go to Madison Square Garden for games three and four. Now, a lot of people feel... The Madison Square Garden is a great home court advantage for the Knicks. But when you look at the record, they were better on the road this year record-wise than they were at home.
2: It's the honest thing. And, and we've tried for years to explain this and figure out what it is, why, you know, why they're not a dominant home, home team. But, you know, what people consider, you know, the preeminent place to, to play a game in, in the NBA. And I think part of it is the lore and the legend of, of Madison Square Garden. Everybody comes in here trying to make their name of, you know, having having some sensational performance at the Garden. You know, it's, you know, Kobe at the Garden, LeBron at the Garden, MJ dropping 55, you know, double nickel when he comes back at the Garden. Um, it, it's been a place where, where you know, there's history everywhere there. and And I think other teams get up for it as much as, Uh, as the Knicks do, or maybe more, um, you know, and there's all kinds of odd home court things. Players don't like that they have a morning shoot around, you know, out in Westchester and then have to fight traffic to get to the city for the game. Um, it's a, it's a strange, strange, uh, phenomenon. And I look, I think they've been very good on the road because they're a, uh, hard nosed, tough minded team that Thibodeau pushes them, you know, every night and they don't take nights off. Um, you know, they looked in game two like they took the night off. So I think I uh, I think I think you'll get their best year in game three.
0: Steve Popper of New York Newsday. You mentioned Tom Thibodeau, their head coach. Uh, he came under question in game two. Uh, Julius Randle goes down in the heap under the basket. Uh, he looked like he was a little injured. He stayed in the game. And most people question, why did Thibodeau leave him in the game in a game that was over at that point? Uh, he, he said that. Uh, Julius wanted to stay in the game. It was his, it was his decision, uh, not to take him out because of that. My response to that is coach, you're the coach. He's the player. Why would you not enforce your will on your player?
2: Right. And look, the game was a blowout all game long. And maybe, maybe no one should have been in you know, in the fourth quarter at all, any of the regulars. Um, you know, it wasn't just Julius. It was Brunson out there too. And, you know, other, other starters, other, other key pieces. Um, Josh Harden's coming off, a, you know, an ankle injury. Hey, and I think part of that played into it is that Julius took a long stretch, almost three weeks off uh, right before the, uh, the playoffs began. And, uh, you know, I, I think his, his claim of wanting to get his rhythm back is a legitimate one. You know, he hasn't played great. He had a good first quarter in game one. Hasn't quite seemed like himself. Um, but to me, you know, you had three quarters, you know, plus to do it, you know, you need to get your rhythm in the last three minutes, which I think I think Tom was only going to take him out about a minute before that. Um, look, it, it, it's, this is something you live with when you have Thibodeau as your coach. And, and a little bit of it is it's what you live with when you have Julius Randle. You know, when he got hurt, he was 1-2 uh, with Mikel Bridges in, in minutes played this year. Um, he wants to be out there on the court. He wants to play every game. Um, and he wants to play 40 minutes a night. And, and he's been a key piece of the Knicks. So this is this is sort of what you get when you you combine a Thibodeau and a Randall is that, you know, you've got a guy who wants to be out there and a coach who wants his guys out there. Um, You know, I don't think Thibodeau cares about the criticism. Uh, You know, we we see the other guys that are getting hurt in the league. Uh, You know, it can happen at any moment. That's sort of Thibodeau's thing is, you know, it can happen in minute 34. It can happen in minute 47. It's sometimes it's a freak injury. That's what this was. You know, this wasn't a fatigue injury. This was. Him on a fast break, going for a dunk, um, you know, beating everybody down, and Jared Allen making you know a legitimate defensive play, trying to stop the dunk, but also you know cutting Julius's legs out. You know, I, I would think accidentally um, as he kind of raised his own leg and pushed Julius's legs out. Yeah. Julius said he's fine. We'll see tonight. Uh, you know, that's, sometimes that's the kind of thing you feel more a day or two later.
0: I think Julius uh, Randle is a fine player. I think he can score. He's got shot for even from three-point range. He can rebound. He makes good passes. Uh, plays pretty good defense. If I had one criticism of Julius Randle, it would be stop beating up the officials. I think he takes <laughs> it. I think he takes it to another level.
2: Yeah, it's happened, and he's talked about it. And, you know, he's talked about you know seeing you know his own kids' reaction to to what he does and, and trying to change it. But I think in the heat of battle, he does sometimes get too heated. Uh, you know, he's not a drape green, but, you know, he's gotten piled up technicals, and, and uh, you know, often he thinks he's just bleeding his case. You know, we had the one incident in Orlando this year where, you know, he not only got the technical, but, you know, it was kind of going in own guys, Emmanuel quickly, really, um, as they were trying to get him away from it. Um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you, you want a guy who plays with high, high level of passion, he does that does he sometimes skirt that line Uh, I think he does but not you know not any worse than most stars and I I think sometimes he thinks he doesn't get you know he's a two-time all-star he's an all-nba player I think he I think he thinks he doesn't get the calls that stars get
0: do you think and watching this team every night do you think that Tom Thibodeau gets on the officials too much
2: (laughs) I actually uh was in a hotel concierge lounge one day this season, and joking around about you know I had been sitting down near near the bench that the game prior, and I was joking around with one of the officials about uh, Tom's voice you know hearing it echoing still the next morning, and and he said sort of that's how they they do it is they know they're going to hear that in their ear all game long, um, and you know there's a certain level that it reaches that when you call it the tech, but he doesn't get many of them and I think they know. Uh, most of it's respectful. Most of it is just, you know, lobbying. Uh, it's loud. It's constant. And, and I think it almost becomes, you know, a droning din that they, they can tune out.
0: Oh, they're, they're, you remember an official named Joey Crawford?
2: Of course, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm doing the Nets games, when they're still in New Jersey. And they're playing the Knicks in the first round of the playoffs. Um, this is when Chuck Daly was coaching the Nets. And, uh, and I'm working the game with uh, Michael Coren and during the commercial break on the air, I said to Mike, I said, I think it's a good idea for Joey Crawford to put a Nick Jersey on. <laughs> and so <laughs> he was 50 feet away from me. He came running over to me and got in my face. He says, how would you like me to throw you out of the game? And I just stared at him. <laughs> so when the game Joseph. was, when, when the game was over, an official from the league came over to me and said, "Joey Crawford wants to apologize to you. He never should have done what he did." I said, "Well, I don't accept his apology. Uh, I want him to. I want to. Apo- I want him to apologize in front of people like the ass he made of himself during the game." And he, he yeah. obviously, Joey Crawford did not come back out. But the next season, we're doing a game in Atlanta, and I'm sitting talking to Mookie Blaylock, who was a former net, now sure. is with. Now I was with the Hawks, and I went over to talk to Mookie, and uh, I, I'm on one knee uh, when Mookie is stretching, and I feel a tap on my shoulder. It's Joey Crawford. Now, this is the next season six games in. He says, I want to apologize for what happened last year. I said, Joey, if you're mad enough to apologize, I'm mad enough to accept. Now, But consider this. That was on his mind from the previous season.
2: Yeah, jo- Joey was one of the greats. Uh... <laughs> as an official, uh, took took nothing from any player, star level, or anyone. Uh, and took nothing from announcers either, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, but he was, you know, look, I, I think sometimes it almost is an ego thing with officials, and, you know, that's a thankless job. It's a tough job. You know, somebody hates you everywhere. You know, every arena you go to, I, I kind of joked on Twitter earlier this year that, you know, they never get the home court advantage where, where the people like them. It's everywhere you know, the chance and, and this, you know, the stuff, and it's a tough job. It's, it's a thankless job, but I still think they have to, you know, submerge their own egos and, and, yeah. you know, you know, can't, you can't become, you know, take things personally and be, be part of the game.
0: Uh, Steve, uh, we're talking with Steve Popper of New York Newsday. Let's go back to the Cavs Knicks series. Uh, in game two, Darius Garland went off uh, for 32 points. Uh, Karis Lavert, former net, also had 24. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, well, I think he only had 17 in the game, but Donovan Mitchell is a threat every time he's got his hands on the ball. Do you think there's a side of Mitchell who was being romanced by the Knicks last year uh and they didn't want to step to the plate with giving up whatever he thought, uh whatever? And he was with uh, Utah at the time and Danny Ainge was running things. He, he was kind of maybe disappointed that he didn't go to New York, even though he's enjoying life in Cleveland. Do you think that's in the back of his mind at all?
2: I think it is. and He's he's openly talked about it. You know, he's a Westchester native. His father works for the Mets. Um, He's a Mets fan. (laughs) He wanted to be in New York. And I think, look, we all thought he was going to be in New York. Um, And and look, I've heard different things. I've heard that the package wasn't good enough. I've also heard that the package was very good and Danny was – you know, if he could, he wasn't going to give him to the Knicks. He was he was going for best offer, which is what he should do. Um, But you know, he's trying to play the Knicks against other teams because you know he was insulted that the Knicks had had people in the front row uh, in that playoff series. You know, basically when we know they're recruiting uh, Donovan and and, and recruiting Jalen Brunson, Um, you know, I, I think he was insulted by that. You know, there's some some animosity with the front Knicks front office there. Um But I I think you know, he definitely wanted to be there. He's definitely taking this person. He's going to be, you know, you talk about a guy being hyped to be in the garden tonight. You know, if he goes for 50, I wouldn't be surprised. Hmm. Uh, uh, Tomorrow night, I mean, Um, the thing thing with with him, though, the Knicks are determined to try and slow him down. So they're going to double him to try and get the ball out of his hands. They're going to trap him. They're going to blitz him. And what he did right, you know, he's 13 assists the other day is he willingly moves the ball, and, and that's part of what makes him as good as he is. And Garland is a, is a very good scorer. You know, he's a former all-star. Uh, in game one, the Knicks did the same strategy. Garland, Okoro, Osmond did not hit the open shot.
0: I think it's fair to say the Knicks bench is deeper than the Cavs bench. Would you agree?
2: I think I lost Steve. Are you with me?
0: Oh, that's too bad. Indeed. Here is. is. You're back.
2: Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting how they, how they decide here, how they're, going to, how they're going to attack Donovan without giving up these shots to Garland. And look, guys, you mentioned Levert. You know, Okoro still, was, has been the starter and a key piece defensively for the Cavs. But they decided to make the, make the switch uh, in Game 2 after the after you know, a couple of minutes and go with Levert. He started the second half um, because he can, he is a good defender, but he also gives you that offensive component that, that Okoro does not. Um, and then again, it's, it's move counter move now for the Knicks. You know, how do you deal with this? You've got an extra scorer out there uh, for the Cavs. You know, how do you guard Mitchell and guard all these other guys? And how can you take advantage on the other end? Because Okoro is their best uh, defender against, against Jalen Brunson he's done a great job with him you know this season in a small sample size he did a good job in game one um are you keeping something up and and are you potentially giving your way to you know an explosion by Jalen Brunson.
0: Dee Popper of New York Newsday let me ask you this if I said that the Knicks were a deeper team would you agree?
2: I do I do agree with that but I, I do think that the talent at the top is better for the Cavs. Uh-huh. You know, I think I think Donovan Mitchell is the best player in this series. I, I think, you know, where you rank Garland, Mobley, um, uh, Allen versus Randall and, and Brunson, you know, probably a toss. You could probably say that they've got probably four of the best six players in the series. Uh, I do think the Knicks have more depth. And there are a lot of nights this year where you don't know where it's coming from with the Knicks. And I don't think that's the case with the Cavs. I think, you know, they're really two, two, you know, predominant scorers and three, if, if you include Levert.
0: Uh Let me take it a step further. If you remember game two, I thought the Cavs played more physical than the Knicks. Look, the films going to show what the films show, and Thibodeau's probably going to point that out. So I would imagine that the Knicks will be a little bit more physical than what we remember in game two.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thibodeau does not let any of these things pass. I you know, I've joked around with RJ Barrett about how many times he's heard from Thibodeau about a loose ball in game one of the Atlanta series two years ago that in the final seconds the Knicks didn't get, you know, it we kind of bounced off of Barrett, went to Bogdanovich at a game game winning three pointer, you know, a game deciding three. Uh I think I think that's kind of the thing that Thibodeau is gonna put, you know, ingrained into this team. Is you had an opportunity to go up 2 0 and you didn't do it because you didn't put your, your foot on the gas pedal. Uh, I'd be shocked if you don't see the Knicks give it their best night. But I think the Cavs saw, you know, they talked about it after game one that they were, you know, they were outplayed by the Knicks physically and they were going to throw the first punch in game two. So do both teams come out that way in game three? You know, how do the refs handle it? You know, do we get an official who calls the game tightly? Um, and guys get in foul trouble. It's it's gonna be interesting to see how this is played. But but I think both teams know. The Knicks know the only way they can, you know, beat a, a more talented team is by playing the way they play all year with aggression, with intensity, defense minded. Cavs are the number one defensive team in the league this year. They know to compete with the Knicks, we've gotta match that. You know, I I think that's gonna be interesting how this plays out over the rest of the series. And I I don't think this series is going five games. I think this is gonna go six seven games and, and we'll see you know you know who can, who can hold on the longest here
0: it would seem to me that it's mandatory for the Knicks to win both games at Madison Square Garden
2: I, I don't think they concern themselves with that because they've been so good on the road if they split and they go back to two you know I don't think they have any doubt in their mind that they can win a game five or a game mm-hmm. seven in, you know in Cleveland but you know Thibodeau of course is never going to tell you that um, you know they they try and you know something he's preached since preseason is we don't look at the past game. We don't look at the next game. We prepare for this one game, this one night. And this is how we do it.
0: Hey, Steve, let me ask you your opinion about a couple of things unrelated to the series. Uh, Dream on green suspension has gotten an awful lot of play. Uh, a lot of people have been critical of the NBA. They saying they shouldn't have been suspended. Uh, the, uh, the ejection was enough. Uh, Sabonis, um, uh has been guilty of maybe tripping up Draymond but let's let's face it Joe Dumars the head of operations of the league said it very perfectly succinctly he said this is based on Draymond's track record how did you feel about it you had an opinion I'm sure
2: yeah well I would say this if Joe looks back at the films of his old Detroit Pistons <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they might they might have been suspended for a season if you're going on yeah. track record
0: yeah
2: <laughs> um so you know i i, I think uh, to me this is this is a, a problem i have with that with that theory is i i think you have to isolate this every incident has to be looked at in in its own little bubble here you know but what what draymond did seven years ago to lebron to me does not matter uh you know, you know what he did to steven Adams doesn't matter doesn't matter here uh did he did he stomp on him unnecessarily hard? Absolutely. Did they lose game two because he got ejected? Probably. Uh, you know, I mean Sacramento's a very good team and at home that's a great arena. Could they have won the game anyway? Probably. You know, but it's it's a toss it was a toss up game when but, but he got thrown out. To me, I think maybe that's the punishment. Uh, I, I don't, you know, it's not like Savonis was an innocent. Uh, bystander here. Yeah, you know he grabbed his leg. You know if he doesn't grab his leg. This never happens. Um, should should Draymond have done what Sabonis does and what a lot of players do when he got his ankle grab, go flying to the floor and draw a foul on Sabonis and maybe a take foul or maybe a, a technical? Maybe that's what he should have done. You know, you can, of course, you know, in you know in hindsight, that's the way you look at it. Um, you know my, my other side of it is, look, he stomped it really hard, the ribs. And what if he broke a rib and Sabonis was out for the year? What if he punctured a lung with a rib, you know, and it became a, a health issue, you know, to me, this is, there's a lot here that, you know, Draymond opened up, you know, himself to, to danger here that never needed to happen. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I kind of, it's, it's a really tough one. I don't like the, you know, Putting it in his career achievement uh, line, I, 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 to me, it's you know you, you judge it on on what happened, and, and I think for the league itself, it's a tough decision. And I don't I know, think you judge it on on you know what he was doing with the crowd afterward. You know, dumb stuff by him to do that, but I don't think that's where you make the decision.
0: No, no, I would agree with that. I would also say that Draymond Green's about Draymond Green, but what he did after the Hogan's and after he got ejected, the way that he reacted to the crowd. I mean, what are you doing? What do you think this is? WWE? Uh, yep. I, I just, yeah, I, I just think, look, I said to, I know Steve Kerr a little bit. I said to him a couple of years ago, there's going to come a night coach when that guy's going to cost you a game and in, in a big spot uh, and you're going to regret it. it. It's my opinion. and It's just my opinion, Steve. I think the Warriors should trade him.
2: You know, it's a tough one because playing on that line is what makes him what he is. And, and I will say this, having watched him for years, and talked to him. He's a smart player and a smart person. And, you know, on, on the good days, would you love to have him on your team? Absolutely. He's one of the game's best defenders. He's probably going to be a hall of famer. He's, he's what helps make that team go because he's such an elite passer. and such a smart, uh, ball mover. Um, you know, there's definitely a place for a guy like him in the league. Hey, look, you know he's a free agent at the end of this year, and they're going to have a huge decision to make. Mm-hmm. And is there someone that's going to pay him? I think there is because I think teams, if Dallas loses Kyrie and they they think they need something to lift a team that's underachieved and be a you know a caddy for Luka Doncic, yeah, I could see him going there. Uh, I could see him going to Portland and helping D- Damian Lillard. Uh, I think there is a place for him, and, and a lot of teams know what the value is, but I think there's no team that has parlayed his value into more success than what he's done with Golden State. He's, he's such a perfect fit there for what they do. But has he cost them series? You know, against Cleveland a couple of years ago, absolutely. Is he costing a series here? It certainly could be. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm very much on the border on on whether he should have been suspended or not, but. You know, did he put himself in position where he could be suspended? He sure did.
0: He's Steve Popper of New York Newsday. One quick thought before I let you go. Dylan Brooks of Memphis last night uh, during a portion of the game, he goes to to LeBron and basically said, you're old. (laughs) And I'm saying to myself, what is wrong with you? Do you not know what's coming in game three of this series? LeBron's going to (laughs) go off for 40. (laughs) <laughs> or die trying uh, and the other I, thing I, yeah go ahead
2: I was going to say that that was my first thought when he said that I was like words that will be thrown back at him is LeBron will be counting off points to match his age <laughs> uh, look, look, look LeBron had I think 28-12 in the game anyway and and look uh, when Dylan Brooks came in the league I saw him almost as another Draymond type player I don't think he's as good on either end uh, I don't think he's he's the smart offensive player that Draymond is, and I don't think anyone's as good as Draymond defensively. Um, but this is part of his his thing is, you know, pumping himself up, pumping up his team, uh, and and look at the result. You know, he, he did do a good job defensively, uh, not just on LeBron, but on whoever he was defending. Uh, they won a game that I don't think a lot of us thought they were going to win without John Moran, without sure. Stephen Adams, without Brandon Clark. Uh, so is there a method to his madness maybe there is um, you know I, I don't think you want to poke that bear because LeBron one is too good for that even at his age and two he's going to get calls if this becomes a big public thing you know you can't foul out that's, that's sort of you know I think what LeBron pointed out to him the other, you know, the other night that he was straddling that line if he was he was in foul trouble now because of dumb things he was doing um it's a tough one but i but i think look there there are guys that we talk about draymond dylan is that same kind of guy who lives on that intensity and that that's what got him in the league and what has him making a lot of money
0: you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of lance stevenson when he blew in lebron james ear during the game when he was with indiana
2: (laughs) it is it is a similar type uh is, is he is he closer to Lance than than Draymond? Probably.
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Hey, uh, Steve, appreciate your time. Thanks a million. Uh, enjoy the rest of the series. I, I'm looking forward to go seven games.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I, I I just hope that the hail and snow stop by the time Game Five and Game Seven come <laughs> in Cleveland.
0: All right, man, you stay safe. Thanks a lot.
2: You got it anytime.
0: He is Steve Popper of New York Newsday, uh, outstanding coverage of. Uh, the New York Knicks, I'm going to be very interested in this series in games three and game four because Madison Square Garden is a great home court advantage for the Knicks. But you look at their record at home this year and the three games over 500, it's not very good. They were a better team on the road. But look, the team that usually wins a series is the team that has the best player or players and the best player in the series is Donovan Mitchell, as Steve pointed out. No question about it. Uh, but after that, can Darius Garland do what he did again? Can Karis LeVert do what he did again? Or is Julius Randle going to drop 35? Or Jalen Brunson with 30 or more points? Uh, there's, uh, and I think Josh Hart is the wild card here. Josh Hart has been a nice addition to this Nick team. And a former teammate of Jalen Brunson's at Villanova. This is going to be very, very interesting. As for the, the dream on green thing, I'm just going to give you my own personal opinion. He's not my kind of guy, uh, primarily because he's all about him. This is about, look at me, look at me, look at me. Now, if your team can stand it, so be it. The Warriors have won championships. Can't discount, discount what they've done with him. Uh, I, I just don't like the whole charade. It's It's like in this day and age, when you read about all the shootings that are going on around the country and all the violence that's going on around the country, you go into an arena where Draymond Green is going off on one of his routines, and there's going to be some screwball in that crowd who's going to do something violently. Are we waiting for that? That's all I'm saying. So I applaud Joe Dumars, the head of operations of the NBA. He did what was right. He suspended Draymond Green. Send a message. Send a message to him. Send a message to his team. Send a message to the players in the league. Nobody is bigger than one player. Now, you want to say Giannis is the best player in the league? Okay. You want to say LeBron is? Okay. Uh, Doncic, whatever you say is the best player. Fine. All I'm saying is that Like they say that slogan that says nobody's bigger than the law. Nobody's bigger than the game. Nobody's bigger than the league. So Draymond Green can take this act on the road and draw uh, rallies all over the country. I don't care. I watch a game to watch the talent of players. Not for one screwball to go off like he is the whole reason why you came and paid a lot of money to see. I just don't appreciate that. That's my own personal opinion. You can have yours. Want to raise hell with me? my guest. You have a great day. Thanks for being a part of our David Live.